0: So today is, uh, begins the fifth session of the Bible study series called Living Free of Anxiousness. Today we'll be looking at Psalm 91, and I titled this Dwelling with the Lord. So let's begin with some prayer in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord, we welcome your presence this day. Thank you, Lord, that you are our Most High. You are El Shaddai. You are the Lord God who watches over us, who loves us, and gave us your only begotten Son, Jesus, we thank you, Lord, for your, your care for us. We ask you today to enlighten our hearts with the word of God from Psalm 91. So, Lord, your word may speak to our hearts. It may squelch our fears. It may free us t- with a new faith and hope in your power for us and your love at work in our life. We pray this through Christ, our Lord. Amen. Psalm 91, uh, found in the Old Testament, It's a psalm that uh, um, speaks of the Lord's protection of his people. The psalm is all about dwelling with the Lord. So I'm going to begin first by uh, just simply saying the psalm is a psalm that is meant to draw our hearts more closely to God, to receive his help and to to receive his support. So it begins like this in Psalm 91. I'm going to go through the verses here. Verse 1, if you live in the shelter of Elohim and make your home in the shadow of Shaddai, you can say to Yahweh, my refuge, my fortress, my God in whom I trust. So right from the start there, the psalmist speaks about the title of God, the character of God, the promises of God, which revealed in the character of God are his promises to his people. So let's take a look at some of these here. Um, L-O-N, meaning the most high. The reason why most high is... uh, is because in the psalmist was writing in an environment and culture, a world situation in which there were many gods. There were many uh, competing powers, and there were many demonic powers that would create chaos. Exodus chapter 15, Moses speaks about that um, in the song of the Canticle of Moses that speaks of the praises of God in the midst of all the other gods, the gods of Egypt. So the psalmist wants us to make sure that The Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of Israel, and we would say uh, in fulfillment of all that, the Father, God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, that Elwin is the most high above all the other gods, all the other competing gods, goes on to say uh, Yahweh. Yahweh is the personal name of the Lord. It's the name revealed to us personally to draw us into an intimacy of relationship with him. And then uh, Shaddai, Shaddai meaning uh, the Almighty One, um, the One who is sufficient to meet the needs of His people. So the Psalmist says, uh, "I make, I, I." If you live in the shelter of Elohim, shelter. Uh, uh, Saint Augustine said that Christ is our shelter. The shelter is like a tall, large building that you run under for protection. It's kind of like being in the midst of maybe. Outside, and all of a sudden, there's a, a hailstorm, and so you run for cover, and maybe you run un, into a building that protects you from uh, the hailstones. So what we see here is Christ is our shelter, but we see that we run into him, which means we make a, a personal friendship with him. We establish a personal relationship with him. The word for abide means uh, it actually... Uh, one way to say about a living, making your home would be to abide. It means to keep coming back to dwell there. Uh, our homes, for example, are places that we abide in. We keep coming back. We may leave it for a while, and then we come back. We come back to our home. We dwell here. So the psalmist is speaking about a relationship with the Lord, a personal relationship with Him. In that context of that relationship, we abide with the Lord. We make our home with Him. And we say that he's our refuge, he's our fortress, uh, In my God in whom I trust. And so the trusting comes out of abiding or making our home with him. Uh, He's God most high, uh, indicating that he's greater than all the other competing forces there. The word for making home can be found by uh, an illustration of that is in John chapter 15. Uh, Jesus talks about he is... The vine, and we are the branches. Uh, He talks about establishing roots in Jesus, in him. He goes like this, I am the true vine. My father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that bears no fruit, he cuts away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes to make it bear even more. And he goes on to say in verse 7, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask what you will and you shall get it. It is to the glory of my Father that you should bear much fruit, and then you will be my disciples. So uh, Jesus talks about abiding in him, putting deep roots down in him. So a healthy relationship with the Lord begins with our personal, private time with him. Time that we set apart each day and immerse ourselves in his word and listening to him speak to our hearts through his word. uh, Confessing our sins, giving thanks and praise to him. Uh, In other words, the quality of our personal prayer time indicates the depth of healthiness of relationship with the Lord, which is how deep our roots go in that relationship. This is what the psalmist is speaking about, the person who makes their home with the Lord in the shadow of Shaddai. Let's turn now to verses um, 3 and 4. He says, he rescues you from the snares of the fowlers, hoping to destroy you, He covers you with his feathers and you find shelter underneath his wings. Again, he rescues you or he delivers you. Another way to say that is he saves you. The implication here is someone is hunting us down and he delivers us from the hunter. So we could say that's a, a reference to demonic powers and principalities that create chaos in our life. Well, the Lord is delivering us out of them. He is rescuing us out of them. Jesus talks about that in Mark chapter 16, at the very end, in what's called the post-resurrection narrative. Um, In Mark's gospel, Jesus gives instructions to his disciples. uh, Chapter 16, verse 15 and following, he speaks and says, um, and he said to them, go into the whole world, proclaim the good news to all creation he who believes and is baptized will be saved. He who does not believe will be condemned. These are the signs that will be associated with believers in my name. They will cast out devils. They will have the gift of tongues. They will pick up snakes in their hands and be unharmed. Should they drink deadly poison, they will lay their hands on the sick who will recover. And, uh, and, this, and then Mark goes on to say, And after that, the Lord Jesus, having spoken to them, was taken up into heaven. There at the right hand of God, he took his place. And while they were going out, preached everywhere. The Lord working with them and confirming the word by signs that accompanied it. So, Mark speaks about the gospel, the apostles being uh, per- commissioned to go proclaim the gospel. In fact, it's not even just the apostles; it's any disciple uh, of Jesus is commissioned to go proclaim the gospel. And speaks of the Lord's protection and deliverance of them in circumstances. And then we see the word for. Um, uh, let's see, snares here uh, can be referenced to pestilence, plagues. Um, Joel speaks about plagues. Plagues in the ancient world would be sickness and disease. They could also speak about locusts uh, that would become devastating to the crops. Uh, Verse 4 here uh, speaks about how they'll the person will find cover. He, will, he covers him with his feathers. He will find shelter underneath his wings. Here the illustration is a mother eagle uh, spreads out her wings as a shelter over her babies. Uh, and it says that he will rescue you or he will cover you with his feathers or um, with his. So that kind of a shelter. In other words, you can't be touched is the implication there. Okay, let's go to verses five through eight. And it says you have no need uh, of the terrors of night, the arrow that flies in daytime, the plague that stalks in the dark, the scourge that wrecks havoc in broad daylight. Though a thousand fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, you yourself will remain unscathed with his faithfulness for shield and buckler. You have only to look around to see how the wicked are repaid. You can say uh, Yahweh my refuge and make Elohim your fortress. Again, we could say in this place there's no room for fear here. Because what we see is the protection of the Lord for his people. In other words, what the psalmist is saying is so overwhelming is the Lord's intervention that uh, God is the person who intervenes to the person that abides in him, to the person that makes their home with him. So here uh, the psalmist speaks about the Lord's overwhelming protection in the midst of plagues or pestilence. Uh, in the midst of a thousand fallen at your side, ten thousand at your right, you will remain unscathed. His faithfulness, which means his uh, he is faithful to his promises. Remember, his character is tied to his word, so he's faithful to his word, and he becomes a shield and a buckler, which is uh, two different kinds of shielding or protection. So again, the implication here is the Lord is our refuge; he's like a hedge of protection. We've all seen hedges around. Um, maybe houses, for example, and they become kind of a protection that keeps certain things out. Um, and then uh, he goes on to speak about uh, verses eight through nine. You've only look around to see how the wicked are repaid because Yahweh is a refuge. He's a fortress. Elohim is your fortress. No disaster can overtake you. This is uh, verse 10 and no plague can come near your tent He'll put his angels in charge to guard you wherever you go. Again, the implication here is, again, the Lord is like a hedge of protection around us. The angels indicate the Lord's personal presence or his personal touch. It's almost like, um, you might say, our bodyguards, if you would. Uh, The Lord sends bodyguards for us that carry his presence and carry his personal protection. The angels accompany, defend, and protect us and preserve us. Uh, Angels have have uh, a long uh, role in the biblical accounts, but certainly as, as in the Catholic tradition, we have what's called guardian angels, and they are like, consider them personal bodyguards, if you would. Again, the psalmist wants to indicate the overwhelming protection of the Lord to, his, to, his, to those that make their home with him, that abide in him. And then concluding with verses 14 through 16, uh, the psalmist again says, uh, again, here we see where the Lord is um, now speaking in the first name basis. So the psalmist was speaking up to this point, and now the Lord is speaking to the psalmist. I rescue all who cling to me. I protect whoever knows my name. I answer everyone who invokes me. I am with you when they are in trouble. I bring them safety and honor. I'll give them life long and full and show them how I can save. So again, we see here where uh, the psalmist Stop speaking and the Lord is speaking to the psalmist, which indicates the intimacy of relationship where the Lord is in dialogue with the psalmist. And um, again, it's another way of saying I will raise him up to a high, secure place is what the Lord is saying. The person that is loyal to him, that loves him, that uh, makes their home with him, that lives by his word and calls upon him, surely the Lord will answer. The Lord will deliver that person when they're in times of trouble or adversity. This indicates the binding covenant the Lord has with us. Surely that covenant for the Old Testament people is found in the Torah and found in the law. And uh, the prophets would accent that and emphasize it over and over again. It's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of David. And the Lord makes a promise and covenant with his people. But that promise and covenant is fulfilled in the person of Jesus Christ in his Life, his perfect life of obedience to the Father, his love uh, to the Father to the point where he died on the cross and he becomes the new Adam, the new head of the human race. And now that covenant is most fulfilled, as it were, in the person of Jesus. For us, uh, for Catholics, that covenant is found in the Eucharistic table where the outpouring of the Lord's blood. Uh, that as Calvary redeems us and saves us. Again, we see uh, so important it is um, to understand that in the fulfillment found in Jesus, we find uh, our covering, our protection uh, in him. So in summary then, Psalm 91 is a psalm about abiding with the Lord. These promises are for those that abide with him, who make their home with him. That means that you and I must sink our time and energy into cultivating a private relationship with the Lord. That's where it begins. That's the roots we lay down in our life. That's the foundation that we lay in our life. And as we cultivate that personal abiding relationship through prayer and through the word of God in the sacred scriptures, we make our home with the Lord. We abide in him. Um, And then we we receive his promises of protection to us. So, I encourage you then to spend time with the Lord um, and make that be a quality time, a time that grows in relationship to him uh, so that the character of the Lord, the promise of the Lord can be yours in your life, particularly in times of adversity. In the times we live in, the Lord promises his protection, his covering for those that abide in him. So let's pray. Lord, thank you for your love for us. Thank you that you call us to be a people who abide in you who make our dwelling with you, Lord? Sober our hearts and mind in these times of great anxiousness and great darkness; these times of upheaval and uncertainty. That we would find our refuge in you, our shelter in you. That we would sink our roots down in you, Jesus, as our true vine, and we are the branches. And that we would find in you, um, in your character, uh, uh, your character of one who is powerful and sovereign, one who's majestic. Your character is one who is strong and mighty, that your character and your promises of your character would be most manifested in our life as we grow in abiding in you. We pray this through Christ our Lord. Amen.